Tonight, an innocent bystander is seriously injured in an explosion connected to a shooting. Plus, oh, I just see the police uh, parking here every day. A Kamloops lawyer released on bail after being charged with interfering with human remains in a bizarre murder mystery. And there's a realization, I believe, on the Catholic Church's part that they have to do more. What an indigenous delegation from Canada hopes to accomplish by meeting with the Pope. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Colleen Christie. Nitu is on assignment. There has been an alarming uptick in the number of lower mainland shootings in the past week, particularly in residential areas. The most recent happening in the Tri-Cities on Friday, when a Coquitlam home was the scene of a second shooting in three months, followed by a vehicle fire that left an innocent bystander injured. Julia Foy has our top story. It makes me really angry, you know. Don't bring that stuff around here. Residents on this quiet cul-de-sac in Coquitlam are still shaken about a shooting that happened in the middle of the afternoon Friday. A man was shot outside his home on Chickadee Place. He was taken to hospital and is expected to live. The indications of being a targeted hit and connected to the Lower Mainland Gang conflict. So at this point, we're still continuing to gather evidence with the aim of identifying suspects. Neighbours are glad no one else was hurt. It's unnerving. I mean, stray bullets. Port Moody police say another man was injured when the suspect car believed to be involved in the shooting was set ablaze. Uh, upon arrival, first responders located a man who had suffered serious injuries uh, as a result of the vehicle exploding. That man was an innocent bystander and he was not connected to this vehicle. That man was transported by British Columbia Ambulance to hospital where he remains in stable condition. Friday's mayhem came after several shootings occurred around Metro Vancouver, including two in Surrey. Pop, 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 pop. I hear gunshots. I look out the window and they're literally firing bullets everywhere. This attack was not the first one at 1677 Chickadee Place. In December, a man and a young boy were inside a vehicle when it was shot up outside the same home. When there's two shootings um, within four months on our street, just a few doors down, yeah, absolutely, it's unnerving and uh, yeah, it's, it's disheartening too. It's sad. Police are asking the public for CCTV or dash cam video of this vehicle, which is believed to be the getaway car after the terrifying explosion. Incidents like these are, are so dangerous, right? Um, it could have been even worse, which is concerning to think about. Um, as mentioned, we have a, a man in hospital, an innocent bystander in hospital, which is very unfortunate, but it, it's concerning to think it could have even been worse, potentially, and there was jeopardy to other people and other properties. Anyone with information is asked to call police or Crime Stoppers. Julia Foy, Global News. RCMP investigators are also looking into a suspicious death at a Langley Hotel. Officers were called to the Highway Hotel near the 20400 block of 88th Avenue just before 9 o'clock last night after a man was found with life-threatening injuries. Despite the efforts of paramedics, the man died at the scene. Police suspect foul play. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team and BC Coroner Service have been called in. Members of the Vancouver Island Integrated Ma Major Crime Unit are investigating the sudden death of a child Thursday night. Officers were called to Victoria General Hospital just before 9 o'clock. 
Paramedics had responded to a call for help in the area of Vancouver and Johnson Streets two hours earlier and transported the child and a parent to hospital where the child died. Earlier, Victoria police officers had responded to a well-being call involving the parent and a child. The Independent Investigations Office will determine what role, if any, police actions or inactions may have played in the death. A note on the Amber Alert you may have received on your phone earlier today. RCMP cancelled it late this afternoon. Police say the children and their mother from B.C. have been found safe in Ontario. A lawyer in Kamloops charged in connection with a homicide investigation is now free on bail. What we now know about a bizarre murder mystery gripping the B.C. interior and what we still don't know. Kristen Robinson reports. An unmarked police vehicle sits outside a home owned by Kamloops lawyer Rogelio Butch Bagabayo on Saturday, while an RCMP cruiser is stationed out back. I just see the police uh, parking here every day, but I don't know what is going on. Neighbours say RCMP have been here for about a week. When Global News tried to knock on the door, we were told it's a crime scene. RCMP also seen outside Bagabayo's office in downtown Kamloops. The 54-year-old lawyer released on bail Friday after being charged with interfering with human remains by placing them in a plastic bin on March 16th. There's lots of information that I know that the public is interested in, but obviously some of the things have to be held back to help protect the integrity of the investigation. What began as a suspicious death probe when a body was discovered inside a vehicle in the 1600 block of Monterey Place on March 17th, now a homicide investigation. The victim, 60-year-old Thompson Rivers University senior lecturer Maud Abdullah, who was last heard from on March 11th and reported missing when he didn't show up for work on March 14th. I see him every day walking the, the halls, smiling to people, and I, I was just speechless. Computer science students are shocked at the loss of the longtime faculty member who they say went out of his way to help. He's always been there for us and uh, it's just heartbreaking. It's just crazy knowing that something like something bad would happen to him like that. It's heartbreaking. Police say Abdullah usually walked or took public transit. These images show him getting off a bus downtown on March 11th. Investigators are also tracing the movements of a white GMC rental van in and near Kamloops mid-month. Bagabayo's next court appearance is April 21st. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Whistler RCMP are appealing for witnesses to a stabbing in the village last weekend. Shortly after 4 o'clock last Sunday morning, police say two men were found injured in the Marketplace parking lot on Lorimer Road. It followed some sort of altercation. Both stabbing victims were taken to hospital. RCMP later arrested two people who have since been released pending further investigation. Anyone with information is asked to contact Whistler RCMP. This weekend, a delegation of Indigenous people from across Canada is embarking on an historic journey to Vatican City. They're going to meet with Pope Francis to discuss reconciliation. It comes after the initial trip in December had to be postponed at the last minute due to the spread of the Omicron variant. Arnito Garcia is in Rome tonight and joins us with more. Nitu, the delegates and their communities have waited a long time for this. 
They have, Colleen. I had a chance to speak to some of the delegates ahead of their departure, and there is a sense of hope and optimism within the Indigenous delegation that once they enter the walls of the Vatican to meet face-to-face with Pope Francis, it will be a big step towards making reconciliation a reality. With the discovery of the graves in Kamloops, with the additional graves that have been discovered throughout Canada, I think that this has really triggered a realization that there is something very significant that happened to Indigenous people. And there's a realization, I believe, on the Catholic Church's part that they have to do more, that they have to go above and beyond. Grand Chief Mandy Galmasti is among 32 knowledge keepers, elders, residential school survivors and youth flying to Rome this weekend. The delegation includes First Nations, Inuit and Métis members, all with unique histories, experiences and messages. They're set to touch down in Italy on Sunday along with six Catholic bishops from across the country. The group will travel about half an hour by bus to their hotel ahead of the first of four hour long private meetings with Pope Francis on Monday. It is expected to be an exhausting and emotional experience for members. Some who say they will not be entering expecting a papal apology here, instead pushing for that to happen on Indigenous land in Canada. BC Youth Delegate Taylor Bain-Tacosa says the First Nations delegates have held weekly virtual gatherings to carefully craft their message to the Pope. She says without these conversations, no one can move forward. But it's important to acknowledge the many emotions this trip brings up for survivors, some who are struggling with the idea of it. A lot of the feelings, I mean, come from people who are survivors and some of them don't feel like that that they need an apology or that this trip is worth um, anything to them. And I just, I acknowledge those feelings. She and other delegates say a formal apology for the residential school system that forcibly separated tens of thousands of children from their homes, subjecting them to abuse, rape and malnutrition in what the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in 2015 called a cultural genocide is long overdue and only the start of their healing. We will be here all week to cover the developments and what more the delegates will be asking of Pope Francis in what many are calling a critical moment in the reconciliation process. Colleen? Need to thank you. And we understand these stories may be traumatic for some of our viewers. There is support available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free, 24 hours a day, and you can speak in confidence. Call 1-800-721-0066. Fisheries and Oceans Canada, along with the Seashelt Nation, are awaiting necropsy results on the carcass of a rare fin whale found on the Sunshine Coast. The DFO says the male northern Pacific fin whale was less than two years old when it washed ashore in Pender Harbour last Friday. Initial examinations suggest it may have died from blunt force trauma, possibly from a vessel strike. In Seashelt Nation culture, the whale is considered family and has great strength and spiritual power. The Indigenous community will work with fisheries to determine how the whale's remains will be dealt with following the necropsy. Stay with us when we come back. Strong words and a promise from the U.S. president in Europe as Russia targets what has been a city of refuge in the war on Ukraine. When she was in Ukraine, um, I couldn't sleep. And a BC family gets their grandmother out of Ukraine just days after the Russian invasion. Next. 
thick black smoke filled the skies of Lviv, Ukraine today after powerful explosions were heard in the western Ukrainian city. That, until now, has been a safe haven for those fleeing Russian shelling. In Poland Friday, hundreds protest outside the Palace of Culture and Science in Warsaw, taking advantage of U.S. President Joe Biden's visit. Protesters laid down to represent the bodies of Ukrainians who are dying in the war. Nearly 4 million have fled Ukraine, 2.2 million to Poland. Joe Biden concluded his trip to Europe with a meeting with Poland's president and an address to that nation. As war rages on in neighboring Ukraine, he had strong words for Vladimir Putin. Jennifer Johnson reports. Flanked by his secretaries of state and defense, U.S. President Joe Biden held a high-stakes meeting with Poland's president in Warsaw. Despite a conflict with Poland over supplying fighter jets to Ukraine, Biden urged unity in stopping Russia. Vladimir Putin was counting on being able to divide NATO, but he hadn't been able to do it. We've all stayed together. Poland, which borders Ukraine, is bearing the brunt of the refugee crisis. Over two million Ukrainians have fled to that country, mothers and millions of children whose lives are in limbo. The longer this goes on, the more likely you get long-term issues, which we know long-term issues are, are mental health issues, they're development issues. President Biden met with dozens of Ukrainians at a soccer stadium, pledging America will take in 100,000 refugees and calling Russian President Vladimir Putin a butcher for what he's done to the Ukrainian people. The U.S. president ended his four-day European tour with a speech meant for the world, warning Putin not to take his war outside Ukraine's borders. Don't even think about moving on one single inch of NATO territory. Biden claims international sanctions are depleting the Russian economy and weakening the Russian military. But Ukraine's leaders say they can't wait for that to take an effect on Putin, as they ask every day for more military firepower to win this unprovoked war. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. A B.C. family is thankful their grandmother was able to flee Ukraine just days after the Russian invasion last month. Kristen Robinson has more on the extensive effort to get the senior, a permanent resident of Canada, back home and her stern words for Vladimir Putin. It's a huge relief. It... <laughs> like when she was in Ukraine, um... I couldn't sleep. Christina Blesh-Kevich, grateful her grandmother is back in Canada. It was for a moment hard to remember that there was still a war. <laughs> when the war broke out, 77-year-old Maria Schwetz was in their hometown near Lviv, where her son is a Ukrainian army officer. She said the siren was going off, I'm going into the bunker. Blesh-Kevich feared the worst after a phone call with her grandmother. We heard again from my grandma that she's safe, that the air raid was called off. Um, and I called my mom back, and at, at that point I was, I just said, we are making a plan for how we're going to get Grandma here. Blesh-Kevich scoured social media and managed to track down a friend in Ukraine who could help her grandmother escape. The pair traveled together by bus in a grueling 24-hour trip to Poland before flying to Canada for an emotional reunion with family. We at least had that comfort that Grandma wasn't alone the entire journey. After arriving at YVR earlier this month, Schwetz is staying with her daughter. She says it was hard to leave her son, who is now defending Drohobich. And, and save herself. Um, it's, it's awful and 
extremely saddening to watch the news. Schwetz doesn't mince words when talking about the Russian president's invasion of her home country. He's uh, Putin. He's um, just shooting down families that are in their cars trying to escape somehow. Families with kids, families with elders, and um, he's a murderer of Ukrainians. And he won't stop at Ukraine, Schwetz says. If Putin is able to take Ukraine, that he won't stop at Ukraine and he will keep going um, further west. And I, I think that should be a wake-up call uh, to the whole world. But Bleshkevich's grandmother says Ukrainians will not let Putin win. Ukrainians are, are strong people and um, at this time we're not going to give an inch of our land to him. And we will keep fighting and we will defend our land and until, until it's over. Kristen Robinson, Global News. It is one of the prettiest waterfronts in B.C., but not with derelict boats ruining the view in Falls Creek. And that's not the only problem. And as another B.C. city bans single-use plastics, how Richmond is avoiding some of the problems Vancouver has seen. Next. Many waterfront communities in B.C. have long struggled to deal with derelict boats. The pandemic has only exacerbated the problem, so it's only natural. Residents are fed up when vessels aren't only abandoned, but also looted. Paul Johnson reports on one such situation in Vancouver's False Creek. People flock here in the summertime, or when the sun comes out. People are everywhere. And who would be surprised at that? Olympic Village and the southeastern shore of False Creek has quickly become one of the city's most vibrant and beautiful seaside neighborhoods. But as Ken Newbert explained to us Saturday, there appear to be some serious growing pains as well. As far as I can tell, it's a free-for-all. They just pull in and park. Check out this nautical mishap. An old sailboat that had been moored in False Creek came off its anchor and ended up beached in the little inlet between Habitat Island and Hinge Park. While an old decrepit hull is one thing, the debris field that it let loose qualified it as an eyesore worth complaining about. When we saw the, all the junk out, it was all strewn on the beach and all over the place. Whether it was trash pickers or someone from the city, Newbert isn't sure. The scattered debris was gone in fairly short order. But there's no known plan yet for the boat itself. We really don't like it. I mean, the odd boat parking there for a night or two, I mean, that's, that's nice. But there's boats there that I'm not even sure they can move. Newbert says residents here are particularly suspicious about this vessel of unknown age and type which they suspect may not make it out of False Creek under its own steam, and they worry will be another costly problem for taxpayers. The city of Vancouver told Global News Saturday that the unauthorized anchoring of boats here is an ongoing problem that they're aware of. But given the jurisdiction is shared by the city, provincial and federal governments, that amounts to a perfect storm of slow-moving bureaucracy. I'm not against the boat people. I'm against the people that think they have the right to pull in here, live on their boats, dump all their crap in the water, and not pay any taxes. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News.
Richmond is the latest Lower Mainland municipality to ban single-use plastics. The city hopes to eliminate 35 million pieces of straws, bags, cutlery and styrofoam packing from the landfill. The new bylaw takes effect Sunday and the city says it's consistent with regulations expected at the provincial and federal levels. Surrey was the first city in the region to ban plastic bags. And unlike Vancouver, Richmond is leaving it up to businesses to decide if they want to charge customers for paper or reusable bags. The idea of having a minimum fee for any of these products or the substitute products really didn't come up. What we have said is that the businesses uh, can provide the substitute products, you know, a paper bag instead of a single-use plastic bag, that kind of thing. If they want to charge for that, that's up to them. We'll let the competition decide whether there's going to be some kind of a fee or not. In Health Matters, a study of patients with long-haul COVID-19 finds different variants may lead to different symptoms. Researchers in Italy found once the alpha variant became the dominant strain, patients were more likely to suffer persistent muscle aches, insomnia, and brain fog. The loss of smell associated with the original COVID strain became less common, as did difficulty swallowing and impaired hearing. A small victory at an eastern, North, an eastern North Carolina hospital this week. Their last patient was released from the COVID unit on Friday. It's the first time in nearly two years the hospital has had no patients in the ward. But the state of Carolina is reporting a slight increase in statewide COVID hospitalizations for the first time in more than a month. It is Purple Day today, a day to raise awareness and support around epilepsy. My journey with epilepsy began 14 years ago uh, when I was in my 20s. I had my first seizure. Actually, I was away on holidays with my then boyfriend, now husband. Out of the blue, uh, since then, though, I have had over 20 tonic-clonic or grand mal seizures. Been on medication for the past 14 years. It was very scary. I was working full-time at that time. And I remember the first two years being very difficult trying to, first of all, come to terms that you have this, but medications are very, very harsh. Epilepsy Toronto Ambassador Mira Estrada learned she had epilepsy after falling and suffering seizures as an adult. She now takes medication to control her seizures, but has suffered several over the years. She shares her story now to dispel any misconceptions about the neurological disorder. One of the biggest ones is that you will swallow your tongue during a seizure. It is impossible to swallow your tongue during a seizure. You should not put anything into a person's mouth. If you put your hand in, your hand may very well be bitten off because especially when you are clenching, like there is such force in that. There's a myth that you should try to restrain somebody having a seizure. No, you need to let them have their space. Children diagnosed with epilepsy can grow out of it, but in most cases, those diagnosed with the disorder must take medication for the rest of their lives. A member of the world's most success, one of the world's most successful rock bands has died, and an iconic Vancouver nightclub has been forced to close its doors. But it has nothing to do with COVID this time. The story's next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A case of very bad timing for an iconic Vancouver nightclub. We'll explain right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, 
We've all had days that feel like this. Have a look. Poseidon, the baby kangaroo, had a little trouble getting back into his mom's pouch at the San Antonio Zoo this week. The zoo says the six-and-a-half-month-old has a harder time fitting into the pouch as he grows. He'll eventually leave the pouch for good at around eight months old. His mother, named Pearl, seems pretty unfazed and quite patient with her growing baby. There he goes. He's, he made it. He's like, I just want to get to bed. I just want to rest. <laughs> just want to have a little snack and yeah, go to bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cute. All right. Uh-huh. Feels like this weather makes me want to crawl back into bed sometimes yeah. too, right? It's been a bit great, a great start to our weekend. We've got some bright spots. It's really in our long-range forecast, and I'll outline some of the nicest days in just a moment. We've had a bit of a lull in the action with lighter precipitation. It's been showers on and off through the afternoon. We've got dry conditions right now to the airport. We're sitting at 12. Northeasterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. It'll be spotty, though. We still have the chance for some showers. And then in behind it, we do have a wave of rain that is going to move in. The heavier rainfall will likely be overnight and in towards tomorrow morning. Double digits still for areas near Cranbrook. Current temperatures near the Peace at minus 2. Currently for Prince Rupert, good evening. Your temperature sitting at 6 degrees. and We've got double digits for Tofino with the current temperature at 10. Now overnight tonight, so the precipitation is going to pick up. Heavier rainfall leading in towards the morning hours. Then it'll ease off slightly with the chance of showers through the afternoon. Temperatures will be up to 13 degrees. And then another wave of rain as we get in towards our Sunday or Sunday night leading in towards our Monday. And that'll be a soggy start for back to work in school for many. So we do still have some unsettled conditions in behind it, though a much-needed break is on the way. But we'll look at the future cast first. Heavier rainfall overnight. Tomorrow morning, it'll be a wet start, on and off showers, then a wave of rain. That'll take us in towards our Monday morning. And then likely as we get in towards our Monday late day, a nice break is on the way and the return for some sunshine by our Tuesday. Northern half of the province will still see a few spotty showers just for the morning hours. The instability for tomorrow will be for both the central and southern interior. We're seeing a transition from snow over to rain, but there is a slight risk of freezing rain. Quinnell will be included within that, and a few spots near Williams Lake and Revelstoke as well. Now, areas towards the south of it could just still see a few isolated showers, higher elevations if you're traveling along the mountain passes, the snow level above 1,000 meters, but we are just looking at the potential for a few isolated flurries, and most areas will be seeing the chance for some showers. Whistler tomorrow will bump up to 11 as a high and then along the south coast we are looking at that rainfall. It'll be in waves through the day tomorrow. It'll just be a chance for some showers but then the heavier rainfall does pick up once again and that'll take us in towards our Monday. Looks to be a soggy one for Monday back to work and school. A clearing is on the way towards the evening hours. Bright spots so far will be Tuesday and in the long range it'll likely be for a Thursday Friday. Temperatures though into the double digits. That'll be the silver lining and a few breaks in there as well. Colleen? All right. Alrighty, a little bit of sunshine is always a good thing. Thank you so much. Some sad news from the world of music. Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins died suddenly yesterday. No cause of death has been revealed and the band is asking for privacy at this time. The Foo Fighters were set to perform a concert in Bogota, Colombia last night. They were scheduled to perform at the Grammys April 3rd and play Rogers Arena in October as part of a North American tour set to begin in May. Hawkins was just 50 years old. And chalk this up to bad timing. Just as bars and clubs were allowed to open, a popular nightclub in downtown Vancouver is temporarily closing its doors due to safety concerns. In an Instagram post, the Roxy Cabaret says on Thursday morning, the building, it said on Thursday morning, that the building, it's 
has sustained external structural damage caused by construction happening next door. It says the club will be closed to safety concerns until repairs are complete. The Roxy opened it back in 1988 and is a staple on the Granville Strip. And Barry, I also understand that it's a staple for Canucks players as well. Uh, it's been known to house the odd uh, visiting hockey <laughs> player usually. I think the odd Canuck goes in there too, but yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of... the odd one though. There's Just a lot the of legendary stories out there and you can choose to believe what you Or are. not, <laughs> exactly. But the uh, Canucks are busy right now mm. in Dallas. Pretty much a must-win game. Dallas, one of those teams the Canucks have to catch in the playoffs. And Elias Pettersson's got a couple. And Vancouver is up 2-1 in the third. So we'll have highlights of that. It should be close to finish by the time we get up in the next 15 minutes. And they're all excited up in Prince George. They finally are hosting that Women's World Curling. They got postponed twice because of COVID. And Canada's into the semis. We'll have highlights of their playoff win coming up as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Barry. Up next, what do you do when the future of your industry is in doubt? Fossil fuel workers have all the skills, base skills that are needed to build the new economy. The career portal for not-so-green workers, next. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. A Canadian organization is hoping oil and gas workers will use their skills in another field. It comes as governments around the world set net zero emissions goals. Sarah Komodina explains. Clayton Strang worked in the oil and gas industry for more than a decade. In the course of five years, two major boom and bus cycles, right? And that really left me uh, kind of shaken up. His background is in environmental services, and he wanted to transition fields, but always found it difficult. Looking for something that was, you know, uh, going to contribute to a net zero outcome, uh, I didn't see very many of those jobs. But more jobs are opening, and companies are looking for skilled laborers. Iron and Earth is an oil and gas worker-led organization. It's hoping to encourage and inspire people who specialize in fossil fuels to take their skills to the green energy industry. Right now, in the fossil fuel industry around the world, uh, jobs are dwindling. And that's because of many reasons, but primarily because countries are trying to reach net zero and trying to meet their climate targets. The organization launched a climate career portal. People can enter their current skills and the website will show how those skills can be transitioned into other fields like solar, wind or geothermal. Fossil fuel workers have all the skills, base skills that are needed to build the new economy. You've been on the ground, you've been building the old energy economy, you know what's needed. The website also highlights job openings and even shows courses that can be taken to level up if needed. Strang loves this idea and hopes support will come from higher levels to help achieve climate goals. Now we need you know, funding and, and legislation from all levels of government to encourage it. Sarah Comedina, Global News. Barry has sports next, including a must-win game for the Canucks. And still to come. I want to make sure that they are... Um, have a fair treatment and I want to make sure that we hire them for work, we provide them housing. Ukrainian refugees in Oregon find safety and employment working for a Russian.
some delicious baked goods and support the community. Join Cobb's Bread for their second annual Donation Day on April 2nd. For every purchase of a six-pack of hot cross buns, Cobb's will donate $2 to support local charities in the community. Pink Floyd's Roger Waters is coming to Vancouver. Don't miss your chance to see the legend as he rocks Rogers Arena on his This Is Not A Drill tour coming September 15th. Tickets on sale now at rogerswaters.com. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Barry's here now with sports. And sometimes this job can be like a pressure cooker, but probably not as difficult as what the Canucks are up against. Yeah, they've kind of been in the pressure cooker since the coaching change. Like, they knew they had to go on a big run. They've pretty much done as much as they can. Have uh, you know it could be expected, but uh, they've got to do it in order to get in the playoffs. They just got to win a lot of games. A big one tonight. Thanks, Colleen. The Canucks have played the first two games of the road trip with the uh, kind of desperation needed to have a shot at making the playoffs. Two gutsy efforts: the 3-1 win in Colorado and the 3-2 overtime loss in Minnesota, which got them a point at least. Tonight they're in Dallas in what is a virtual must-win. The Stars are one of those teams the Canucks have to catch, and Dallas has a four-point advantage with three games in hand. Will Lockwood got called up from Abbotsford. Matthew Highmore is out due to taking some big hits the past couple of games. Stars had a, a great chance early, but Thomas Harley deflects it off the post. The horn in the stadium went off, but it was a premature celebration. No goal. Later in the first, bit of an awkward hit here on JT Miller near the Dallas bench. Definitely tweaked his knee, limped off, but he stayed in the game. Miller ninth in NHL scoring. They absolutely can't lose him to an injury. Stars another chance, but Demko stopping uh, victorious Jamie Benn scoreless after one. Picked up a bit in the second period. Elias Pettersson cutting to the middle. His wrister handled by Jake Ottinger. Finally we get a goal and it's for the Stars. Canucks turn it over inside their own blue line. Alex Chason can't handle it and Ben sets up Jacob Peterson for his 11th. So Dallas is up one nothing. But the Canucks got a power play goal and they take it or got a power play and they, they scored a goal. It's Elias Pettersson teeing it up. We haven't seen this for a while, but Quinn Hughes puts it on a tee and Pettersson scores his 19th of the year, ties at 1-1 after two. Early third, more from Petey. Long rush against Joe Pavelski was back on defense. Pettersson Saw that, took advantage. Look at that. He rips a laser to the top corner. His 20th of the year, his 200th career NHL point, 2-1 Vancouver. Dallas has a chance literally seconds later, but Thatcher Demko turns back. Vlad Nemesnikov keeps it 2-1. The Canucks look to go up by two, but Alex Chason will find the crossbar. Keeps it 2-1. Then it gets real crazy for the Stars. Huge pressure on a power play. Essa Lindell absolutely robbed by Thatcher Demko. They actually had to review this to see if it went in, but he kept it out. What a save. And then seconds after that save, Lindell's got an empty net and he hit the post. So it's 2-1 Canucks very late in the third. Man, they need to hang on to that one. All right, they also need some help from other teams like the Blackhawks who were playing Vegas, a team that's also got a slight lead on the Canucks. One of those teams, they are chasing down for a playoff spot. The Blackhawks led 3-0 after two, which is usually a safe lead, but they gave up three goals in two minutes. Jack Eichel ties it with his seventh. It would go to overtime, and it's Evgeny Dodonov, who gives Vegas the win. If you'll remember, Dodonov was traded to Anaheim on Monday, but the NHL voided the trade because the Ducks weren't on Dodonov's no-trade team list. 
Vegas is happy about that now as they win at 5-4 in overtime. Leafs and Habs from Toronto. Toronto still with a chance to uh, get a, a home playoff series if they can win in that tough East. How about Austin Matthews? A ripper here for his 47th. That leads the league. That's also a career high for Matthews. Habs, though, on the power play. And it's Cole Caulfield right there to make it 2-1 Canadians. But the Leafs will tie it up on a power play of their own. William Nylander right there, 2-2 right now. And it's in the third period. Leafs and Habs from Montreal. Okay, we're going to stay on the ice. Or no, we've got more Bruins here first. We got uh, Boston 13-2-1 in their last 16. They were dominant again today. Second period already up a goal. It's David Pasternak with his team leading 37th. 3-1 Bruins and two minutes later, it's the Canucks all-time fan favorite, Brad Marchand. That's his 28th, a three-point night for him. Bruins roll 6-3. Boston has a good chance to have home ice now in the Eastern Conference. Women's World Curling from Prince George, Canada versus Denmark. Winner goes to the semifinals. Canada's Kerry Anderson with a chance to blow this one open in the eighth. Tie game at six, but she's got an open hit for three, and she's right on. Canada leads at nine to six, tenth in. Anderson just needed to get one of those yellow Danish rocks out, and you know she's not going to miss a shot like that. Canada off to the semis, 9-8 over Denmark. They'll meet Korea starting at 7 o'clock tonight. Switzerland and Sweden are in the other semifinal. Country night at Rogers Arena last night, nearly 7,700 in attendance to watch the Warriors and San Diego Seals. Plenty to celebrate for the home side. Ladner's Logan Schuss. Two goals, six assists, and that is his 200th career goal. And Keegan Ball had another productive game. He got a pair, including the empty netter to seal the deal late. Warriors win 14-12. They've handed first place San Diego two of their three losses this season. Vancouver's third in the West. They're right there in the playoff chase with a 6-7 and seven record. Some golf now. WGC match play from Austin, Texas. Canadian Corey Connors into the quarterfinals, taking on Mexico's Abraham Anser. Connors admittedly is playing real well right now. How about this touch from an awkward distance? Beautifully judged here. Almost holes out for an eagle on the par five. Connors led one up at the turn. It was tied playing the 14th when Connors will roll in the 15-footer for the birdie, took the lead and never looked back, wins it two up. Connors becomes the first Canadian ever to make it to the semis at the World Match Play. He'll take on Kevin Kistner in the semifinals. Kistner won this event in 2018, and he's always in the hunt in Austin. Meanwhile, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, big heavyweight battle. Johnson two down early, but charges back, and this long birdie for DJ at the 16th help him win this match two up. So he's off to the semis where he will take on Scotty Scheffler, who was the runner-up here last year. He will finish off his match in style against Seamus Power by holing out at the 15th. Scheffler's already won two tournaments this year, and uh, as mentioned, he'll meet Johnson in the semifinals tomorrow morning. Got some tennis now from Miami. Montreal's Felix Ojealiasim seated seventh, taking on Serbia's Miomir Kecmanovic. First match of the tournament for Felix. Dropped the first set, trying to fight his way back. Big serve sets up the clean forehand winner, but uh, Ojealiasim was never really in this match. Kecmanovic with the deep punch return, and then will fire the forehand winner. And Kecmanovic makes quick work of FAA. 6-4-6-2, Felix eliminated in Miami. Meanwhile, Felix's good buddy, Denis Shapovalov, the 12 seed, 
taking on South African Lloyd Harris. Shapovalov dropped the first set 6-3, but then Dennis will make a fantastic drop shot that Harris cannot chase down. So they were on serve in the second set, but then Dennis... Well, his serve kind of abandoned him. He had a bad day, just like Felix. Fought off match point three times, but then on the fourth one, well, he double faults. Not the way you want to end a match. Harris takes it 6-3, 6-4. A disastrous day for the Canadians in Miami. Both Felix and Dennis eliminated. F1 Saudi Arabia Grand Prix qualifying did proceed today after a bombing attack on a nearby oil facility just yesterday. This looks bad. Miko Schumacher, or Mick Schumacher, uh, rather, son of the uh, legendary Michael Schumacher, in some trouble, crashes hard. Amazingly, he did not suffer any injuries, which is uh, hard to believe, a testament to the safety equipment in those cars. He is going to be okay. Ferrari was 1-2 again before Mexican Sergio Perez comes flying through to take his first ever pull. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz are 2-3. Max Verstappen is fourth. Lewis Hamilton's going to start back on the eighth row along with Canadian Lance Stroll in 15th. NBA tonight, Raptors home to the Indiana Pacers. Toronto just a game out of uh, fifth in the East with nine games to go in the regular season. Raptors 100% healthy, although Fred Van Vliet's been skipping some games to rest his sore knee. Freddie drains the three-pointer here. And Toronto's got all their guys. They are going to be tough business in the playoffs. They meant business tonight. Pascal Siakam has been on fire the past couple months, hits the three. Raptors led by 20 after the first quarter. The vets were cooking, so is young Precious Achua, who has really turned into an important player. He's got the power game, but shows he can get it from deep as well. Then this bizarre situation happened. They had to evacuate the building due to a speaker that overheated. They evacuated the entire building. There's a 70-minute delay. They've just resumed play. The Raptors are leading, but uh, poor Toronto. They've had no fans half the year because of COVID. They finally get them back. And they got speaker problems, so they're playing again, but in front of no one in the seats. So that's just uh, silly. At least no one got hurt, and uh, the, obviously the fire people were concerned it could have been a hazard. So you couldn't have, couldn't have imagined that would have happened when the game started. No, no. That's bizarre. Yes. All right. Thanks, Bear. Right. Uh, just ahead, just because the countries are at war doesn't mean they have to be. We'll explain that story next. The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. of a Russian market in Oregon has made it her mission to hire Ukrainian refugees who fled their home country. By doing so, she's setting an example not only for other immigrants, but helping to counter the anti-Russian prejudice other Russian immigrants are now facing. 
I, I come to Portland right before war. Olga Pidupna's life has changed a lot in the last month. She was a lawyer in Ukraine, and now she's working here at Roman Russian Market in southeast Portland. She fled her home country and now has to learn a new language and way of life. But she's thankful store owner Fatima Magomadova, who's Russian, decided to hire her and four other refugees. I cry every night because it's very hard. All my um, relatives now in Kyiv under bombs, under rockets. Roman Russian Market has the Ukrainian flag hanging up on the outside, which is meant to be a welcoming sign and to show support. Mago Madova immigrated to the United States from Chechnya over 20 years ago, so she understands their situation. And I want to make sure that they are um, have a fair treatment, and I want to make sure that we hire them for work, we provide them housing, I personally housing three of them. Throughout the store, you can see and hear the Ukrainian influence. Some of the refugees who've been here less than a month find comfort in playing the Ukrainian national anthem. Valentina, who lives in Fatima's house, could not stop thinking about her family back home. I'm sorry. It's very difficult to My mom and dad. Fatima says her store is for everyone and wants Ukrainians to know they always have a place with her. I've been under uh, bullets, I've been under uh, war, uh, came from the war zone, so I totally feel uh, their pain. I know how it's difficult when you have family out there. Wow, that's, that's just awesome. There are nice people out there. Mm -hmm. Good to hear. Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we go, another look at the weather forecast, Yvonne. On and off rainfall, but uh, the heavier rain looks to pick up overnight, taking us in towards our Sunday morning, on and off showers through the day, and then a soggy start for Monday. Bright spots on our Tuesday and leading in towards our Thursday and Friday so far. Fabulous. Okay, and we'll have more from Nitu tomorrow, who is in Rome with the Indigenous delegation as they arrive there. In the meantime, hope you have a great night. Thanks for joining us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.